0: Welcome to the Parent Guide to GCC podcast, episode number 17. And today's guest is Tammy Banks, who will be talking about abusive relationships. This was originally recorded as a live streamcast event. Right, hello and good afternoon, everybody. Um, so, yeah, we are here today for another one of our difficult but important conversations to have with your child podcast episodes. Uh, we're, we're on the, the live stream at the moment with Tammy Banks. Hi, Tammy. It's lovely to have you here. Uh, do you want to just start by maybe telling us a little bit about you and what you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for having me. and I'm thrilled to be here. Great um, to do on a Saturday afternoon. So perfect. And um, so I'm Tammy Banks, and actually I spend my days at the moment um, running a training and consultancy company. But for me, that's very much a creative solution. So I've worked for the last 20 years in criminal justice, social care, and charities. Um, my mission is life is in life is very much to interrupt the generational cycle of harm and abuse. Um, I have my own story of kind of a complex childhood and um, then living homeless for four years when I was a teenager, so a very kind of difficult Part part of my life, um, where I have to say, um, really kind of feeds into this conversation because there was a multitude of abusive relationships at that time in my life as a child and as a teenager. Um, I then studied psychology and went into working with teenagers who were struggling in a variety of different ways and were within the system and finding themselves very powerless. And I've been a victim of abusive relationships. Relationship or being the potential perpetrator of an abusive relationship um, because of the way that situations were impacting them. Um, I, have, I did a TED Talk recently that kind of talked a little bit about my history and why I think it's so important to have these conversations and for us all to be very open um, and transparent and real about actually the difficulties that our teenagers may face And then my training company is very much um, about how can we work with frontline professionals to enable them to actually offer and deliver exceptional values-based services? Because when people, teenagers, adults, um, children, when they're at difficult points in their life, when they're vulnerable, when they're experiencing complexities, they're they're linked with services and they're interacting with services, and they need those services to be able to absolutely understand and engage with them, to, but to be able to meet their needs from a values-based perspective and we can only do that or services can only do that and as i've said i've worked with them for the last 20 in them for the last 20 years services can only do that by recognizing that their frontline professionals are also people too so they have their own complexities vulnerabilities family dynamics and um, abusive relationships etc as well um, but I guess to finish, my most important element is that uh, I am a mum to two wonderful girls. Um, so my girls are, are 11 and 14 at the moment. So um, perfectly, my my eldest is just about to go into year 10 and start her GCSEs. So that's what um, brought me across kind of your wonderful page and your resources and things like that. And I'm having continual conversations um, with both my children. In fact, I have done all of their life since since literally when they could understand me um but pitched it at different levels so i'm a huge advocate in actually in honesty in transparency but also pitching it at the right level so that it can be used as um a tool for prevention really and um, so that's kind of in a nutshell um what i do i work um a lay member on the committee for standards in parliament so i kind of Within my mission, I'm championing for change all of the time. And then I work very um, practically kind of doing talks like this to kind of raise the the profile of the importance of these conversations from a safeguarding perspective. But also then operationally, um, my organization helps deliver training for influence so that frontline professionals can also deliver services from the way that we feel really makes a difference.
0: Awesome. Um, Now, one of the things that you'd mentioned, I think, in one of your emails was that uh, and it was a statistic that I read and didn't quite believe across lockdown. I I think you said one of the highest rises in domestic abuse cases has been between teenagers and parents, with the teenagers being the the perpetrators. And so I wondered whether perhaps we were going to have any listeners who were needed to understand a little bit more about the dynamic of that sort of thing and how that happens and what they can do
1: yeah so it's been really um, lockdown has been really unfortunate for many families and from a domestic abuse perspective, so it, just in case any of the listeners aren't really aware of what domestic abuse is, so domestic abuse is um, abuse within a um, domestic setting in its kind of basic format, and so it can be um, in a relationship um, from if you think of female on male or male on female or same same gender relationships. It can be with grandparents. It can be with um, children. It, it really is about that familial. Um, setting and within that domestic setting and so domestic abuse crosses across all of those and then it's very much it can be displayed in a variety of different ways people quite often go immediately to kind of thinking domestic abuse is physical abuse Um, and that's because historically when we've uh, specifically when we've looked at convictions and such like historically physical abuse is what people have been convicted of but actually in 2016 there were some changes in the legislation to really also include um, coercive and controlling behavior because there was a real recognition that actually that emotional abuse um, can be just as damaging as physical abuse and actually any physical abuse has an emotional element to it as well so within within lockdown, unfortunately, what we've seen is a real increase in pressured situations. And um, within that, we've had families who, some who were already struggling and some that weren't struggling previously, but now finding themselves in a, in a situation where actually they're, they're in the same four walls as each other, all of the time and that can be really difficult for anybody um but for families that are already struggling already in um abusive relationships then that can really increase the prevalence but equally there's what's known as situational domestic abuse, which is actually where there hasn't been any instances of domestic abuse previously, but then a situation occurs that, that then becomes a little bit like a boiling, um, boiling point, really, where actually because of the external situation, people's um, ability to deal with stress and pressure and they, their usual um, defence mechanisms, their usual support mechanisms, the people that they see, the places they go, um, the kind of where they need to go and get their headspace, et cetera, They've they've been removed. And then there's the uncertainty about, so for teenagers, for instance, there's the uncertainty about, I've been working for so long towards my exams, what now? Or... Um, what are all my what are all my friends doing at the moment I bet they're really busy everybody's facetiming them but I've not heard from anybody for weeks or months and for parents it's am I going to have a job in three weeks three months six weeks six months time and so there's all these kind of pressures coming in and if you don't have the mechanisms to be able to kind of um, be able to work through those yourself as an individual, individual or within your in your family environment actually, it can be a real recipe for disaster. Um, From a safeguarding perspective, we've seen an increase in a variety of different um, safeguarding concerns. And one of those within domestic abuse has been um, teenagers um, abuse on their parents or their grandparents, and also um, children's response to actually seeing domestic abuse within their family relationship because their parents are spending much more time with each other at the moment as well and actually having to do things that they've never had to do like try and encourage your teenager to um to do their GCSE revision for instance well actually yes parents um and I know that you very much encourage kind of an active involvement in that but there's a real difference between an active involvement and trying to explain and teach and motivate and encourage and you know all of that as well and these are relationships that as parents we we haven't necessarily had to have with our teenager previously so so it's confusing for them it's confusing for us and actually if there isn't an outlay for that emotion unfortunately what has been seen over lockdown is there's been a rise in domestic abuse right across um, the, the spectrum of the types of domestic abuse as I kind of mentioned at the beginning. But one of the, one of the most unfortunate and saddest and fastest increases has been that um, child on, on parent abuse, and particularly from a teenage perspective.
0: So would you expect as we start to come out of lockdown, would you expect those trends to be reversed because the teenagers now can get out more and see their friends in different settings?
1: Do you know if only it was that simple? I'd love to say um, yeah, that's what we hope to see. And I think absolutely for some people, that pressure will be reduced and actually the teenager might be able to go for kind of a, a a stomping walk whilst they're listening to them loud music to the park to meet their friends where they can then rant about the parents or the situation whatever it is and you know that is teenagers have their own outlays um my daughter likes putting on her headphones and literally screaming the so the music out loud <laughs> you know teenagers have their outlays and we would hope that yes some of that does have that um that positive impact and release some of that pressure for parents and for teenagers alike. But Equally, lockdown is going to have changed the relationship for some teenagers and their parents. And there's lines that once they're crossed, there has to be some real work done to actually pull us back over that line. And that is about that respect and responsibility and relationship and actually an appropriate way to deal with your emotions within a situation. Um, And so some of that really needs some specific work and unpicking. Um, within that and also it depends on the different levels so there's there's a real difference in levels between kind of controlling and coercive behavior to um, real kind of physical and emotional abuse and we will be seeing, and I know that I, certainly it's been a real shock to my system to see my 14-year-old in the last 18 months go from being physically smaller than me and kind of doing everything that I ask really quickly to actually being five inches taller than me, wider than me. And actually, if she wanted to physically, she could just knock me to the ground. You know, I would have no strength in that. And actually, our teenagers, they they are growing and learning how to manage their own bodies and recognizing like she she does kickboxing and she thinks it's hilarious now do you know when we're messing around she thinks it's hilarious now that she knows techniques that I've got no clue do you know but actually they you know the relationship that we have is positive mm. but that's been a real recognition for her that she's stronger than her mum because actually her mum's always been her mom, <laughs> do you know. Um, so it, it's all of this is happening um, in a time where we're under really false circumstances. So all of these emotions are going, all of these frustrations are going um, and we're trying to deal with things that we we never foresaw at all. And emotions, teenage emotions are complex within themselves and we we do everything we can to kind of Um, work and support them to develop positive emotions whilst also as parents recognizing and understanding and reflecting on our own teenage years no matter how much positivity is put in there um, being a teenager is is a time of angst and confusion and misunderstanding and it's about being able to kind of recognize and support through that in a positive way and we I guess within lockdown we have to kind of recognize that Also, parents are distracted. You know, I know that particularly at the beginning of lockdown, I run a national training company and um, we do face to face training. And overnight, all of my we've got 40 odd facilitators and overnight, all of them had no work. You know, we had a year's worth of training cancelled. Now, I had people on the phone to me saying, how on earth am I going to pay my bills? And I was like, how on earth am I going to pay my bills? You know, so there's all those pressures and even though I've been in the house with my children continually for the last four months, actually there's been days where I've seen them for an hour at lunch and an hour at tea time. So so we have to recognise that there's these pressures that are, that are coming in as well um, and see that they, unfortunately, depending on relationships that you've got currently, um, and also discussions that you've had and the way that – and whether – whether dealing with emotions and abuse um abuse has ever been discussed within your family or not, um do you know, how do you already deal with difficult situations? Because this is this is about looking at a pressure cooker and and kind of an exasperated um time in our lives. But it but some of the groundwork that we've done previously in our relationships um is really key here, really, really important. Yeah, so if
0: We've got parents listening who have perhaps seen some worrying trends with their teenagers or if they've got friends who have mentioned that there's been possible issues. What, what are the steps that people should be taking to address the situation to try and start to mend those broken relationships if anything like this has been sort of starting to happen in lockdown? So I think there's a couple of things. I think right
1: at the beginning I would start, I would say, um, that we need to think about prevention initially so i would always advocate whenever i'm talking to um, parents whenever i'm talking to my friends when we're delivering a variety of different training courses we always talk about actually um sharing with your child on the level that they're they're at um, from an honest perspective, so I would say, from a prevention perspective, if you've got, if there's parents listening that they they've got um, younger children or got teenagers with siblings and things like that, don't be scared to be having these conversations about life is difficult at the moment and we're all struggling with our emotions. We're all in situations um, that we never foresaw ourselves in, and actually, there's days when we're going to be on top of the world and bouncing around, and other days where actually. We want the world to just go away and pull the duvet over our head. And actually to allow some of that to happen a little bit. Um, there's a lot of external pressures. Um, and in some way, I think it's very much about actually picking and choosing which of those pressures you're opting into and opting out of. Um, so I think there's there's some some prevention elements that I would say um, prior to lockdown, post lockdown, during lockdowns, you know, I will always advocate um having really open and transparent conversations with your children but at a detail level that that they can understand basically um, and that they're ready to hear. If you're I think from a signs and symptoms perspective I think the initial signs and symptoms are actually about Um, pure disrespect so it's about the way that your children talk to you but also about the way that you talk to your children um, and the way that you talk to other people within your household as well it's about actually role modeling that that um, relationship where we it's okay for us to disagree it's okay for us to be on different pages but we can respectfully disagree and actually if we really strongly disagree. Let's just take ourselves apart for a while. So so it's about looking at those kinds of signs and symptoms to say, actually, within our family, this is the way that we respond to each other. This is the respect that we want to build. And actually, I'm going to talk to you like this. Um, but equally, I expect you to be talking to me like this. And there's going to be times when we're driving each other crackers and that's okay too. That's healthy. Everybody does that. I certainly do that with my husband. Um, and we've noticed amusingly as our girls are getting older. My eldest is like a carbon copy of me, and my youngest is like a carbon copy of my husband, um, which meant that actually between the ages of about 12 and 13 and a half, me and my eldest, we just you know, and we're so close and I adore her, and she's such a brilliant um, child but honestly, she infuriated me. But it's because she was reflecting back to me all of the stuff about myself that infuriates me. So, so it's recognising that your relationships change, and that that's okay. And to to roll with that. And as a parent, I guess, recognising that your role in that relationship changes. So I've had to very much change the way that I talk to her. And I'm not I'm not really telling her what to do anymore. I'm um, conversing with her about my opinion on the best way to do things and then letting, you know, and there's parameters in place so she can't go outside of those parameters so it's safe. But equally, there's certain things that she knows is an absolute no that is crossing the line. And then there are things where we will have a real kind of healthy debate um, that might lead me to... I'm walking away (laughs) you know so so there's things and I can see it coming with my husband and my youngest because they just you know I can see me kind of going ding 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 round two split you apart (laughs) Um, and that's okay all of that's that's okay that's healthy you know working through it together so I'd say that the early part is those signs and symptoms when you when you see that. um when your children are talking to you in a certain way, do you know what are you willing to take? What are you willing to accept? But equally, what are you um, what are you role modelling back to them? If you're if you're swearing at them, or if you're telling them to do stuff, or if you're expecting them to do something that you're doing the exact opposite of, well, do you know? Don't be surprised when they reflect that back at you. And um, and and that in a in amongst kind of all of this changing of landscape also potentially means that they really don't know where those boundaries are or what that relationship should look like so I would say really look out for those signs and symptoms of those relationships changing and you needing to change within that rather than digging your heels in as a parent um, and really kind of exploring that there's, there's a fantastic um, book that's called and you've probably you might have spoken about it previously but it's called um, blame my brain so I don't know if you've ever heard that, but there's a, it's, so it's a bit of a pop psychology book and it's called Blame My Brain. And it was actually written for teenagers first and um, for 11 to um, I think it was written for about 11 to 20 year olds. And um, so really kind of crossed the spectrum. And it's it talks to them and it's written by a psychologist and it explains what changes are happening in their brain as they go through kind of the ages of 11 to 20. And it and it explains it to them so that they stop blaming themselves for some of the, the changes and there's some there's a brilliant part in it and i studied psychology that's what my background is in that's what my master's is in um and it, even when i read it i just loved the fact that there's there's this beautiful part that explains that um if you can think back to when your child was about two years old, their brain is growing dramatically. And then there, it's the time when their neurons and synapses are just growing fast and they'll they'll ever grow again and everything is kind of happening for them at, at two years old and they don't really understand emotion. So you're you might be emotional about something, they might be emotional about something, or they might see somebody else that's emotional about something and they can't really process that. Um, but it's all right, they're ready to, so it's fine, we'll we'll work with them. They then kind of grow up through their childhood, early childhood years, and they develop those um, emotional intelligence skills. And so you start seeing, and I certainly did, I can reflect with my children, you start seeing how they how they respond to emotionally to situations, how they'll come, like I remember my um, children when they were five or six, if I was upset, coming and kind of sitting and stroking my back. And my eldest, when I was pregnant with my youngest, you know, just being, are you okay, mummy? Are you okay? You know, really recognising that. Well, when you get to a teenager, there's a point in your life, there's about 18 months where your brain is growing at the exact same speed as it does when you're two. And one of the things that your brain has to do to be able to protect you as a teenager is withdraw some of those um, learned elements from other parts of your brain. And one of the things it takes away is emotion, is the recognition of emotion. So if you can imagine as a parent stood in the door and, you know, I'm saying this because I I do this regularly stood in the door of your child's um your teenager's room and you're saying oh and I've asked you to do this a hundred times and I've got a thousand things that I'm trying to do and do you not do you, do you not just do you, if you just did it it would have taken you two minutes I wouldn't be stood here stressed and da, 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 da. I'm in my brain <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a period where actually you, you kind of You tip a little bit and, you know, you're frustrated and then you become angry. And then there's also points where actually it's pulled me to tears and I've been really upset about the situation. And my really emotionally intelligent teenager has stood there just like, (laughs) and I'm like, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm upset, and she doesn't even care. (laughs) And it's not that she doesn't care at all. It's that there's this period in their life where actually all of that growth is taken in to other elements of their brain, and that's why they they increase their risk-taking, that's why they push the boundaries, all of that type of thing. And Blame My Brain really explains well and explains to teenagers what's going on in their brain so that it tries to pull them apart, away from, from that self blame you know, I'm terrible because I didn't recognize that I'm terrible because I can't do that. I'm terrible because I didn't I used to be able to do that and I can't anymore. And because all of that is destructive and all of that feeds into those feelings that we were talking about of overwhelm at the beginning when we first started talking do you know if you get that overwhelm and that frustration that's when you blow and if you're in a false situation or you don't have those strong relationships then um to be able to manage that you're more likely to blow and that's what we're seeing um more within lockdown from a domestic abuse perspective it is those mechanisms but i guess um your your question really so i've pulled it back to kind of prevention and recognition because that's where my heart sits if we can prevent as much as possible about the um, and we do that by the way that we work with our children grow as parents but also services and frontline professionals um, support us in this way that's ideally what what we want to be doing from a reactive perspective, if you are finding yourself at the moment um, in a position where actually you are, you're fearful of your own child. You know, and that might be because of their stature now. Do you know, I was talking about my daughter; she's bigger than me now. She's physically stronger than me. It might be because of some of the things that they're saying. It might be that they're um, taking taking money from you. It might be that you're. Ask them to do things, stay in because it's lockdown, they're doing the exact opposite. Do you know if you're if as a parent you're finding yourself um within a difficult situation where actually you're starting to be fearful, then it absolutely is time to look for support and um look else, look outside the family home for some support. If you're in that early stage where it is about actually you've not um your are parenting your child and you're wanting to think about prevention that's absolutely manageable yourself and I would say get in touch with you guys get in touch with us you know um, look for those support to have those open conversations if you're in that signs and symptoms kind of time that again perfect that's absolutely manageable um, within your family and with your friends and ask for some support and get some guidance and things like that if you've if you're at a point where actually some of these behaviors are being displayed and they're not manageable that there are loads of services out there kind of really specifically to support people to be able to respond from a perspective of kind of that controlling and coercive behavior and also to intervene before anything becomes physical um, or really emotionally abusive which which can happen you know I've worked with parents whose whose children really are very emotionally abusive to them or very very physically abusive to them as well. So at that point, it's about looking for other services. And there's some brilliant um, domestic abuse support services out there that are really specific for domestic abuse. Particularly, it might have been a case that prior to listening to this podcast or watching this live, um, you might not have recognised that it was domestic abuse it was only again in 2016 so we're talking four years ago that the legislation around domestic abuse was reduced to 16 year olds um, so actually 16 and above can be convicted of domestic abuse as a crime now um, historically there was no although people knew it happened there really wasn't any um, any recognition from a legislative perspective Now, within social care and within domestic abuse services, they have a a real recognition that actually um, a domestic abuse situation can be can happen within any setting, you know, talking really kind of 11 plus really, but you can see some of those signs and symptoms even earlier than that. And um, family support services within social care at the kind of the earlier intervention stage are absolutely available to be able to help you intervene at an early stage to be able to manage some of those um, relationships. And it could be that there's a variety of different kind of um, elements within family situations and then also within people as individuals that can compound an impact and so it might mean that actually you need access to some specialist services because one one element may um, need a little bit more support than another and it might be that as we've said those those different um pressures um or situations are mount them connected together that's when you get that compounding of um, impact and effect that then leads this situation so i would always recommend that people do look at there's there's things like um idas which is the independent domestic abuse service and there's domestic abuse services that are specific for um same gendered relationships there's some and you can google and have a look and there's a whole host that come up there's also now um, all of the pharmacies in the uk particularly because of lockdown have responded so that they recognize that people are coming out of their homes less and even now that lockdown has been um, reduced but social distance is in it as in um it's it's more difficult for people to access services so um, previously somebody might have raised something with a teacher for instance but their children might not be at school at the moment or they might have raised something with a friend that they were having a coffee with or something but they're not seeing their friends when they're meeting with them online their teenagers in the background or um, their partners in the other room or whatever it is so pharmacies have responded by saying that actually within pharmacies now anytime if you want to have a private conversation about anything you can just kind of highlight to them and they'll make an excuse and take you into a separate kind of um, consulting room really and enable you to have those discussions and pharmacies are really well placed now to be able to um, signpost to to services locally, social care locally, family support centres locally, kind of um, mental health services locally, different, different things like that um, but there's also a lot of national support agencies that are operating kind of text phone text lines at the moment and phone lines and things just within the recognize um recognizing actually where you might turn for support previously um you might not be able to at the moment and there is if you so part of my training company we did um we've we do podcasts as well and we've been doing podcasts um over lockdown about each of our core training courses that we deliver to frontline professionals. And one of those um, is called Domestic Abuse in Lockdown. And that was a course that we were commissioned to write for frontline professionals working within social care who are actually, they're meeting with parents still, but they're meeting with them across the screen. And actually, how can they... How can the professionals spot the concerns from the parents without the parents saying anything? Um, or from the um, person in the relationship with a partner, and the partner might be in the room and things as well. So, so if you do want to know specifically more about domestic abuse in lockdown, how it might um kind of present itself, and specifically within that podcast um sophie who's the co-host she's the facilitator for the course she talks specifically about where you can go for help and um, so that's a really good 20 minute podcast that kind of says and these are the places you can you can go and seek some help so if you if you are listening to this and you think actually i want to explore a bit more i want to get some help go and listen to that and it, it will lead you kind of in the direction that you need to go Thank
0: and we'll, you. we'll put all the um Links yes. in the show notes as well. Just I'll put to, it in the comments yeah. and um, in the show notes afterwards, so that people can get hold of all these these resources. Yeah, and um, so I think my my other question was going to be, and I know as as teachers we were always trained to to spot signs and things, and you're trained in what to do if somebody comes to you and tells you something that you know you need to pass on and things. What I didn't ever get as a child, I think. Um, because we didn't have these conversations I don't I don't remember was if one of my friends because I'm pretty sure I went to school with someone and was reasonably good friends with her and I'm pretty sure she was dealing with some issues like this at home. but I wouldn't have known where to start, what to do, how to help, how to to spot that. So is that something that parents could? Is there a way for parents to talk to their children and say, look, if your friend, if you spot any of these kind of things happening with your friend, tell me, because we need to do something about it. What are the sorts of things that kids could be looking out for? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry
1: no no that's fine I, I talk about this regularly kind of from a perspective of um I really champion the fact that safeguarding is everybody's responsibility all of the time and actually we've all got and, and my children laugh because they say that I've got this safeguarding radar and they kind of think it's like laser beams that that's going everywhere and kind of ass- assessing all of the situations but it's interesting because as they've grown up they bring things to me all of the time they bring things from me that their friends have posted on Instagram and um, they bring things. from from me about things that their friends have said to them at school or even sentences that their friends have said that just kind of really have this edge to them and and it's raised the heckles in in my children and so I'd say kind of really playing back to what I said um, a little bit earlier about that prevention is the more you have those open conversations with your children the more that they know that these situations happen and we we try and protect our children, um, and we, you know, we want them to think that the world is a wonderful place. Um, I would argue that by the time they get to teenage years we we can't really be doing that we can contextualize it and I always say to my children look so they they know I work in safeguarding my last um role was a um CEO of a charity working to prevent sexual abuse by working positively with perpetrators and that was for six years and so they know very well that I work with really complex situations and I've always been really honest but actually some of those conversations are difficult and the younger they are particularly when they have a perception of um adults are all all brilliant and all perfect and you know adults are when the world is all wonderful when when our children have those perceptions we don't want to burst their bubbles as their parents and actually i remember being furious when my eldest was about five and she went to school and they learned about the world war um because she came back and she was crying her eyes out and at that point literally up until that point she really did think that most of the world was a shiny happy place and so I remember kind of that whole as a parent that that devastation factor And I would say that from that stage it from that age it's very much about kind of being honest and being honest in Um, in chunks, really, and very much empowering them to grow and to have that understanding and that learning so that it doesn't come as a surprise. So they do know that actually there are people who have difficult situations, um, that have difficult lives, that have complex lives, that they are fortunate in some ways, but also unfortunate in other ways and continually have those conversations so that it's never a secret. Um, And it's always about doing what's right and to keep somebody safe and that's what I always kind of go back to with my children so they I've had conversations with them literally kind of all of their life about the fact that I will always have their back always but as soon as they're at risk or somebody else is at risk I will absolutely intervene and the reason I will do this is in their best interests and so I've had those really open conversations and we've talked very much um to the fact that actually different people are in different situations and what are the signs and symptoms that they might see and what how might they present themselves so a good example or an easy example which people will recognize is if somebody when you look at a um bully victim relationship for instance it's never as simple as it looks Do you know there's there's always multifaceted kind of elements within that within that bully victim relationship that both of those are um getting from that relationship and both both of those will have that the way that they're they're responding within that relationship will have been influenced by other external factors within their lives. You kind of go, well, why is somebody bullying? Why is somebody targeting? Why is somebody making do you know somebody else somebody else 's life um, difficult but equally you say actually, why is the victim not standing up for themselves? Why are they not doing this? why are they not doing that do you know and it and 's actually recognizing all of those elements. And actually, do you know, really, really teaching. And if you watched my um, TEDx talk, you'll see that this is what transformed my life. Do You know, teaching your children from a young age that kindness matters. Mm-hmm. Kindness absolutely matters, whether it's a smile, whether it's a nod, whether it's going out of your way to help somebody, whatever it is. That's what makes a difference. And that makes a difference. Right from the preventing somebody being a potential perpetrator to actually giving somebody the um, strength not to to be able to respond in a non-victimised way as well. So, so I think m- my message is, um, and I do, you know, get on my um, podium a little bit about it. My message is that it, it really isn't rocket science. You know, t- talk to your children about the fact that life is complex. Luckily, and my mantra that I say to my children, particularly in in the world that we're living at the moment, you know, there's so much that there's so much from a political perspective and um, all of the different complexities where people have so many different opinions about things. And there is riots and such like going on i i say to my children continually there are more good people in this world than bad there really are and actually lots of the bad people or the ones that we're um ones that we're kind of putting that label on are actually confused misunderstood complex people that actually in a different environment and different circumstances would respond very differently and i i um i put myself very much in that bracket if i go back to my teenage years if i if my kind of generational cycle of abuse that i was part of wasn't interrupted by um the teacher that interrupted it and kind of set me off on a completely different um path and gave me that hope and that love and ultimately showed me that kindness actually chances are that generational cycle will have continued and i wouldn't have two phenomenal girls who are just flying high at the moment do you know so it's so it's about it's about being open it's about being honest transparent and giving them the tools as well so i have a couple of things with my children about um actually there'll be no um There'll be no punishment for, so there's situations that they can contact me if they're in a situation where they're scared, for instance, if they're in a situation where they're scared for one of their friends, or and we talk about um how it feels in your stomach, you know if you feel uncomfortable, even if you can't label what's uncomfortable yeah. about that situation, if you feel uncomfortable and you want saving, you send me a single x text message, I go on the location services and I'll be there, and I won't ask any questions about it. I'll I'll hope you'll share it with me so that I can support you through it but I'm but that isn't that isn't um something that is expected for me to come and get you I will still be there and I will still be getting you so it's also about recognising that as parents we have a we have a unique relationship with our children Do you know my my, my eldest said to me the other day and I want to tell you everything but I want to tell you nothing too and I was like oh well that that works really well doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> you know, so Sorry, say that again.
0: There's got to be some middle ground somewhere. Sums up <laughs> <Yeah>. perfectly
1: though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So so when they're looking out for their friends, if, if things if they're so some of their friends, if they're if they're somebody that is being kind and is kind of there for their friends, and I'm not talking about being walked over, I'm talking about being kind. You know, it's very different. If if they're somebody that um, has that type of relationship with people. People will talk to them, um, and people will come to them and share things. And it's about actually really saying to your to your teenager, to your child. Um, it's not about keeping that confidence in a time where it's about safety. It's about sharing that. And as a parent, I say to my children, um, if when you share that with me, we have a discussion where we together judge that somebody's at immediate risk. Or a future risk, then actually I will um, insist that together we have a plan of action. If we if we discuss it, um, and actually between us we we think that there isn't somebody at immediate or um, kind of future serious risk, and actually I'll help you kind of put together techniques of things that you can potentially do. So. Um, m- my daughter once kind of brought to me, I'll give you for examples, once brought to me that she had a friend that was in a relationship with a boy and the boy was being um quite abusive to her. Now it wasn't at um extreme levels, it wasn't physical, but he was really trying to control her. She was about 14 years old. Um and what I did was I spoke to my eldest. We talked through some different things at different points she could take into the conversation with her friend, you know, to kind of give that a different perspective and Oh, so how how does that make you feel when he does that? And oh, but didn't he say he loved you? Do you know really pulling out that incongruence to help her friend see see that actually th- this isn't normal, so that she does have um some some other kind I guess of a voice that kind of allows and supports her to think differently. That's enough in some situations. Being that person is absolutely enough. But equally, I've had my daughter bring to me um, Instagram posts where people are saying where her friends are saying that they're going to harm themselves at night um, because of a situation that they're in. And actually, we've we've then responded that in a very different way, which in actual fact, we contacted the school in that situation because the relationship with and that teenager and their parents wasn't very positive and we were very worried at that point that that might exasperate the situation so we we contacted the school so it's a it's a variety of different um different ways of responding i would say depending on the situation but the the thing that connects it all together is if you're role modeling open and honest conversations with your children about difficult situations and your teenagers about difficult situations um then they're going to be doing that in their daily life anyway and they will be coming and talking to you
0: yeah i think um we may have to wander off and grab a a charger in a minute because i didn't realize i wasn't plugged in and i'm on 14 percent um i one of the the first things that they teach you as a teacher when you are doing your safeguarding training is that generally when a child comes to you with an issue they'll start with you have to promise not to tell anyone and the first thing you have to say as a teacher is i can't promise that because if you are judged to be at risk i have to pass that on but i think that's the reason that a lot of kids when they have an issue with their friends and someone's told them something it always starts with you have to promise not to tell anyone and so they they have this conflict inside them like, i want to protect my friend i, I want to help but i promised them i'll be letting them down if i tell someone yeah, And so I think important that parents understand that there's that kind of internal conflict with their kids, as you said, so that they then have that conversation and say, look, if your friend tells you something that you are worried about, even if you've promised not to tell anyone, I mean, ideally, don't promise, but tell me anyway, let me help you through it. I love the way that you've, you've kind of modelled those those mm-hmm. conversations and you've got those those parameters with your child as well yeah I think... and
1: sometimes it is it really is about the fact that that then you and your child as a team aren't going to tell anybody because actually you've discussed that through um and um you're helping them build um techniques to be able to support their friend or not or depending on the situation um but for your child to feel that they can come to you and still be within that bubble of not telling anybody is quite powerful in itself um and I say like we we train teachers all of the time time and i say to them that you know it isn't it isn't about saying to the child um like immediately i have to tell somebody it's about building a relationship over the whole time that you're working with that child so that they know that you've always got their best interests and that actually you will always be working within their best interests so nine times out of ten when a child comes and discloses to you they're disclosing to you because they want you to do something about it mm. do You know, they might still have that absolute block where the first thing that comes out of their mouth is please don't tell anybody or um this a friend of mine is <laughs> do you know they're, they're, they're the two classics yes um but they they're coming to you because they value you they they respect you, they trust you, and actually they want you to help them get out of this very very difficult situation, but they want you to do that in a safe and secure way and um, hmm. so so it, it it's a bit of a false it's a bit of a false um, protective factor and I think from a teacher's perspective as well um I've spoken to loads of teachers who then feel very. Um, conflicted because then they feel like they're, they've they got this relationship with a child and the child has said to them, please don't tell anybody, it's going to make things worse at home, it's going to make things worse here, it's going to make things worse here. And the teacher knows that actually that they absolutely have to tell somebody and that initially, actually, the situation might become more complicated. But actually, over the long term, what ha- what, what is in the best interest of that young person is really, really clear. And Sometimes the person who discloses to you will initially um really take it out on you as the individual. So I know that um my daughter, for instance, did have some backlash from one of her friends who said, um, all right, so you, you went and told so and so that I put on Instagram that I was going to do this, this, and this. I thought I could trust you, and rah, 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 rah. And they were really cross, cross with her. And she kind of, and we had gone through that scenario in my in her mind, and she kind of went. Look, you put it on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) you put it. Surely, wasn't that
1: secret? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also, do you know? I love you, and I care about you, and I'm going to do what's best for you. And yeah, you might not like me now, but at some point, you'll come around. And not take that personally. Do you know? Walk away, not take that personally, and recognise that that's them projecting their hurt and anger on you at the situation. That that's not about the way that you're supporting them through that situation. It really is that projection sometimes that's hard to swallow but it's part and parcel of kind of supporting somebody on that journey to safety.
0: Just out of interest the the situation with the 14 year old uh, and your daughter um, what was the upshot of that did did she finish it with a boyfriend did she take
1: my dog in because she's crying at the door and I think (laughs) you'll probably be able to hear her so sorry. Hashtag work from home. This is. Yeah, actually, I'll have to show you now as
0: well because she is super cute. There nice. you go. That's excellent, <laughs> guys. If you're not on the live stream and you're on the podcast, come find the live stream on Facebook and check this out because that's. <laughs> very yeah, come, cool. come see the chihuahua. <laughs> <100%. laughs> um, yeah, sorry. So actually,
1: what what happened after a while? So the um, the fourteen year old um, girl, she's still with the same lad, um, and they're still they're still together. Um, the relationship is changing because actually she's changing in, in um, what she allows him to get away with. And actually she talks to my daughter and says, and I said this and I said this and now he's doing this. And guess what? Now he's responding in this way, because actually and that's what I mean about the signs and symptoms, particularly for teenagers. You know, there's a line without a doubt that as soon as that, that's crossed, there's no coming back from. And I will stand really, really strongly by that. But equally, they're they're testing out their relationships at the moment. They're seeing how far they can push. They're seeing how controlling they can be. They're seeing what they can get away with. How much can this relationship be on their terms? And so those initial signs and symptoms of... Um, so one of the things that she was saying to my daughter was, um, he doesn't like me coming out to meet with my other friends. He just wants me to meet with him. And he makes me feel really, really guilty about it. And so she would then meet with my daughter and their other friends. And the first part of that, she'd be really upset because he'd be texting and saying, well, you could be with me, etc. Well, now she she's very much kind of laid down the law and said, no, these are my friends. I will be meeting with them, and I will be meeting with you too. It's it's not mutually one or the other kind of thing. And actually, he's responded by that by now. He goes and sees his friends, do you know. So so they've kind of worked worked through that together because she she is having these conversations with her groups of friends that are saying no, this isn't right. Don't don't let him tell you to do that, do you know. And it's interesting because my daughter's um, got another two friends that are um, both girls and they're in a relationship together um, and they've been going through the exact same kind of this is their first serious in inverted commas relationship um, they're 14 years old they're trying to work out kind of um, who's dominant who's not dominant how's this relationship going to work that they're, they're learning at the moment and this is the perfect time just like I said with about parents to actually be Being that positive role model kind of um influencing that discussion influencing that internal dialogue that they're having with themselves so my daughter's friend initially may have been thinking oh shoot should i be spending all this time with my boyfriend is is that what you do now she's thinking no i want to spend time with both (laughs) you know Um, so it's about supporting them to have that internal dialogue and um really kind of empowering them to recognize actually they want they should be happy and safe but so should everybody else as well and so we all have a responsibility in the way that we respond to situations the way that we recognize situations, but equally the way that we act within situations as well and that's why a lot of the work that I've done previously has been with people who are kind of labelled as potential perpetrators and at risk of causing or harming other people because actually intervention and support and guidance and showing people a different way before they cross that that, um, line that we've talked about can make such a significant difference as well. And that's what I'd say to parents about talking with their um, children and young people and teenagers if they're starting to display some of that real kind of disrespectful behavior. um, It really is about actually putting those parameters in place starting to have those conversations early and not allowing that to get to a level um, that is really difficult to manage and becomes dangerous. Because that's when you, you do need professional services to support you to then come back from that. But if we can stop you getting there in the first place, that's exactly what, what we want to achieve.
0: I was going to ask about the 14-year-old boy. Where do you think he learns those behaviours in the first place? Is that part of the generational cycle you're talking about?
1: So I think, oh gosh, that's like the a... a huge question in the sense of like some of it will absolutely be about the situations that he's in himself so it'll be about um behaviors that he's seen role modeled in other places that might be um the algorithm of his instagram do you know i don't know what he's following on instagram and what's what's on his feed constantly that might be he might have been um watching um different pornography, for instance, you know, there's a huge upsurge in teen- teenagers accessing um, pornography during lockdown. So it might be that actually, and I don't know if you know, but um, 96% of pornography is um, males treating females unfavorably and um, so so if that's the schema that he's receiving from kind of look, watching things online like that or from his Instagram I don't know how his parents relationship is or whether he has parents and um, the same with the two girls that are in a relationship you know there's so many different external influences that kind of influence the way that we respond in different situations and the way and what we think is normal in different situations that it's not until we're introduced to something that that starts to change so we talk a lot in all of our training about kind of our frame of reference and I I mentioned it in my TEDx talk where you um you literally go through life with this invisible suitcase and every experience you have, everything you see, everything you do pops into this invisible suitcase and it gives you your frame of reference. So when you're then in a similar situation, so if we're thinking that this might be their first um, first kind of serious-ish relationship, when you're in a serious relationship, a similar situation, you go to that invisible suitcase and you pull out things that are um that you've experienced that are similar that you've seen that are similar and that might be that you've seen i don't know EastEnders a few thousand times. it might be that your parents have got good relationships, bad relationships um it might be that your grandparents, it might be people at school, it could be a whole host of things you might have a really complex childhood yourself, Do you know you might have experienced different things. But equally, you might just be a teenager and trying to work out what works for you, um, and what you can get away with, and how, um, I guess, egotistical you can be in your relationships. You know, and you might be just testing some of the boundaries, and you might just need pulling straight back into them, and um, to recognise actually what what is okay and what isn't okay. Because there's the huge conversation happening at the moment, isn't there, about um, consent. And that kind of feeds into all of this with regards to um, actual parameters and expectations and things like that so I think we're as individuals we're influenced by so much within our lives and that's no different for teenagers whatsoever those influences come from absolutely everywhere um, and at the moment particularly as teenagers have been in lockdown actually those influences are limited to what they're seeing on their screens so if their positive role models are their teachers uh, their positive role models are the sports club that they go to their positive role models are some of their friends that live over in the other side of the town or whatever it is and they're not having that influence but they are having the influence of their algorithm that they've set themselves on social media or the pornography that they're watching because their hormones are going crazy or whatever it is if they're not having um the the positive influences to balance it up then you know you you can find yourself down a little bit of a rabbit hole so it then is about Kind of having people around you that can can support you to grow positively in that way it's not i think the one thing that i advocate continually is that wherever possible it's not about blame it's about prevention and recognition and understanding
0: yeah absolutely it's um a lot to think about there a lot i think we could probably talk about this for another two hours and not not cover everything but i'm aware we're, we're now at an hour which is but oh wow. Well. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I can't talk. No, don't apologize. It it's been thank amazing. Um thank you so, so much. And uh, if we uh, we'll we'll make sure that we put all the resources and things and the podcast episode, that kind of stuff, into the comments and into the show notes, depending on whether you're watching it live or whether you're listening on the podcast. Um and and, TED Talk, which is fantastic. Uh, Yes, the the link to the TED talk is already on the live stream. We'll pop it on the podcast as well. But that has been so enlightening. I think there's a lot of really important things for parents to think about there. So thank you so, so much for your time.
1: I know. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. And I'm really looking forward to being part of your community over the next couple of years. Because as I said, my oldest um, starts her GCSEs in, in the new world in September, um, so so yeah, I've had I've had a look through and can't wait to get stuck in and also congratulations on the book as well, that looks
0: fantastic. Ooh, I'm up. i should do my <laughs> <laughs> yay. So yeah, yeah. fantastic. So well, I'm excited because yeah, my
1: um my book is with a publisher and it comes out on the third of September. So when you were ho- holding
0: up yours, I was like, that's going to be me soon. So I was all excited. <laughs> it's so exciting let us know if uh, if it's something that we can be promoting that might be of use to parents and we'll we'll make sure we we post things we do have a lot of frontline professionals i know as part of our community your teachers and your nurses and, and things so uh, doctors let us know and we'll we'll give you a cheeky shout out at the yeah, time fantastic much appreciated thank mm-hmm. you right thank well, you very much. thank you very very much again and uh, i'm going to leave you to the rest of your saturday